of the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Welcome to Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg. And it is Panhandle Live for this 31st day of January, the final day of January 2024. And it is a Wednesday as well. I'm Luke Wiggs, Marsh Kavalik, alongside... I don't know, but it feels as though this month has taken three months to complete. We're finally to the end of January. <laughs> Although, March. where did it go? Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that's really? fair. That's absolutely fair. How are you doing today? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. A little bit of dreary weather we have outside. We got spoiled there with a couple of 70-degree mm-hmm. January days. Now we're back into the swing of things, right back into the trenches, those uh, those wintry trenches. That's all right. Will. I'll take it. You know, it's winter. So, you know, like, but ask me tomorrow because I'll be like, oh, it's almost spring. It's February. But um, yeah, it's still winter. So we're going to have to put up with this for a little bit. Uh, joining us in studio to get us started, I have to say congratulations first. Uh, Tony Melbourne, who's the new editor of the journal. Welcome in. Thanks. It sounds so exciting, doesn't it? It does. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you know, you. people know you. They people, do. People know you. You've For been better around. or worse. And you know. I think that's wonderful. You know, the journal didn't bring in some outside entity, some other person True. who doesn't know the community. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, that's our goal is to be out in the community more. And I, I do bring that to the office. You know, I've been doing this business a lot of years. Mm-hmm. She never says how <laughs> yeah, many. It's but... probably about 27. Yeah. Over, you know, course of a few papers, but. That's a long time. It is. You make a lot of connections and, and people, you know, you develop your body of work uh, and your reputation and, and people know who you are and what you what you do and that you're dependable. And um, and uh, it's interesting because, you know, I've talked about this a lot, the kind of inside baseball stuff. But um, I started out print journalism and uh, it wasn't often that an editor would be out in the field doing stories. Right. And that hasn't been the case, you know, in my career either. But it's something that comes to the job with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that part of what I do and there's no way I could just sit behind a desk. Mm-hmm. So I will be out reporting as usual, just a different, different title behind the name. You know, I, I grew up talking to my dad who obviously worked in radio as well. And he talked about these big stats or staffs, I should say that radio stations used to have, it used to have four or five different sports reporters four or five different news anchors, people that were just gathering sound. And the same, I'm sure, can be said for print. Back in the day, you had specific photographers and things like that. But, you know, budgets change, staff shorten, more responsibilities started to be had. So, you know, is that part of it as well? You know, an editor has to do more because staffs are just a little bit smaller. Well, I think it is. I mean, definitely, I don't remember the newsroom being full. You know, (laughs) it would be a nice pipe dream. Mm -hmm. But it's just not the way of the world anymore. And, you know, I could decide I guess not to go out and then just overload my staff I don't want to do that mm. hey uh speaking of news we got some breaking news Uh-oh. from alert Berkeley uh at the 20 mile marker northbound lanes two and three are currently shut down due to a traffic accident so travel with caution you know the usual suspects are going to get all boogered up after this 11 and, and all that so 20 mile marker northbound I-81 uh, lanes two and three shut it, down. It, it actually happened right in front of one of the traffic cameras on five one one. So okay. I can see the, the the traffic moving very slowly in one of the three lanes, and 
Uh, the police are on the scene, but like you said, we'll continue to update that. Absolutely. So our guest this morning, Tony Milborn, the new editor of The Journal. So here's a question I want to ask, okay. because a lot of editors will also, um, you have an opinion piece, they'll do an editorial uh-huh. Is that something you're you jazzed about We're working doing? on it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's something that corporate folks appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know, we we at Ogden, you know, I don't know how much people know about Ogden newspapers, but they own a lot of papers across the country, and there are always editorials we could pick up, mm-hmm. and we do a lot of that. But I would like to get back to more locally focused editorials. Right. So it's just fitting that in the schedule. Time management has been my challenge the last couple of weeks. So, but, but this is a good opportunity for you sitting with, with us today because, um, you know, if, if there are folks in the community that you're like, look, I want your opinion. I want your your community briefs. I want you, you know, I want, you know it used to be back in the day when I was at, at the journal, we had all of these little community, little right. I said, <laughs> but, um, you know, um, what I meant was small town community reporters. Right. To let um, you know what's going on. Yeah, because they were going to the rotary meetings. They were going to the, you know, and that was fries. that was honestly the first editorial piece that I put in after taking the title was, you know, send me your stuff. Send letters to the editor, send opinion pieces, let us know what's going on. Because with only, you know, five to six of us total on staff, we we don't know everything. Mm. So we are opening it up. We're going to be having a survey come out, readership survey. What do you want to see? I don't know about opening that door, but (laughs) we're going to try it out and see. You know, again, our focus will be changing a bit to make it more community-based in the paper instead of... You know, things you can open up your phone and be more up to the minute than you mm-hmm. can with print. I mean, we all know print is, you know, sometimes a little bit behind. But you also have the, the web. Um, we do have the well. web, yeah. too. And and that, you know, is another challenge to get that up and running a bit more and do get some videos habit, right? and photos. And there are, there are big plans coming. Oh, so. so under I, construction. I think under people, construction, yeah. People will want to know that are listening. Is Journal Junction going to oh, be okay? Gosh. Journal be Junction will stay because people <laughs> love that thing. It's the Wild West. It's um, like Hoppy Steam Release a little bit. It's, <laughs> it's there are no words. Let me just say. Oh no, there are you know, plenty there of words. Are plenty of words. You know, I, I, changing it up might be a challenge. You know, we talked a little bit about doing one or two days a week, giving a specific topic to to speak on. Mm-hmm. in your junction comments just a lot of the times you know there are there are the same kind of comments and just to change it up a little we'll see we'll see if people like that idea if they respond if not we you know we leave it alone <laughs> they like it it's a it's a forum for people and i don't want to take that away well my, my first introduction to the journal was when i was still in morgantown starting to break in uh, and went to sports broadcasting and reading articles in preparation for games when Eastern Panhandle teams would come over to Morgantown. Uh, one byline has never changed, the legendary Rick Kozlowski, but you guys have also hired a new sports reporter in the last couple of weeks, so you now have two on staff and a, a pretty robust sports department, right? Yeah, well, robust as far as that goes. Yeah, two is good. <laughs> we have Ellie Colbert who came on board, and she is settling in just fine, enjoying the job, which is good. You know, you always want people to be happy with what they're doing, and so I, I hope it will broaden our sports coverage a little bit and take some of the pressure off Rick because, you know, he did it solo for a good bit and mm-hmm. has had some challenges in his own personal life. And 
never missed a beat, really. Wow. So. And sometimes it's establishing that, you know, Rolodex, the reporter's Rolodex and the sources and all of that. And the community can certainly rally around and help with that. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people submit, people call, you know, it just, a lot of times though, the small staff, it should be able to get back to people. Mm-hmm. You know, so I ask, let me put it out there on air, be patient with us. We do see your comments come in, your questions. We try to get to them as quickly as we can and we're not ignoring you. <laughs> you might just be out covering yeah. a story. Our guest this morning is the new editor of the journal, Tony Melbourne. Uh, so what are you covering these days? What What's catching your attention? Well, I'm still, I guess I might beat technically is still Jefferson County. Mm. So things don't change much. Well, things do change much down there. Let me rephrase that. You know, there's always a challenge. Of there's a full body of commissioners there. now. There are, yeah. there are. So they're and back they're, at business. They are back in business, but every every meeting is still always something to find. But there. it's always been that way. It, it feels has, like it's always yeah, been contentious in Jefferson County. Yeah. Is that, is that okay? <laughs> let me give you a chance to edit. Is that a healthy thing? I don't know. Mm, I, okay. I, and I say that I think it's got. You know, it has been not necessarily contentious, but. Stuff going on. Spirited. Yeah, okay, let's say that. Now, I think it's getting worse. I think oh, it's worse. It's devolving? Yeah. You know, but we have an election coming. We'll see what happens with that. See how it moves. So, speaking of election. Uh, they're coming. Yeah, so. Um, filing closed out on Saturday. So, now we're looking at the lists. of As the paper of record, you know, in a community like this, uh, you know, obviously we bring in the candidates ourselves. We, you know, we have, we're going to have a candidate on uh, today on, on the show. Um, it, but it takes a lot of work to get a, an interview and then also process that for, for, you know, publishing, right. um, you know, with the art and all of that stuff. So you've got you know, hundreds of candidates you guys are going to be looking at. Thanks, Marsha. I was feeling optimistic about how we were doing until just What's now. The primary? It'll get better at the general, Tony. I'm sorry um, about that. You know, we we have attempted and are still working on not we're not we're not done um, offering an interview opportunity to candidates. Right. You know, a lot of them send us press releases with their photo and say, "Here you go," and we try to open up the door and say, "Would you like to sit down and do a little bit more?" Most of them take us up on it, so. We're running those as we get them scheduled, and it's important for people to know who the options are and what their ideas are, what mm-hmm. their plans are, should they take office. So that's part of our role of getting that word out. And, uh, you know, as, as Hoppy Kirchhoff said once in an in-service, he said, you know, the, um, the news is the first draft of history. So when you, you know, you get these candidates in and we're doing the same thing and we kind of get their ideas and opinions and then they get elected and then there's that, you know, historical yeah. basis to say, well, remember you said, yeah, yeah. look that up at the journal. <laughs> remember when you made that campaign did, promise? Did you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's good. You get to meet, I mean, for us, we get to meet the people. We're all voters here too mm-hmm. so it's you know it's a little helpful insight to us of course when we get to general we'll do a more in-depth voter guide kind mm-hmm. of you know question answer thing to send out in print so folks know who's running i think you know however we can notify people of who's running right because they don't know until they go to the polls sometimes sometimes yeah unfortunately well if people are interested in in starting a subscription with the journal what's the best process to do so online as well like you mentioned for those that don't necessarily have the paper uh delivered to them every day where can they find out about getting involved and and like uh, marcia said being one of the first to read the first drafts of history 
Sure. I mean, online, of course, is the option of choice for most people these days. And we are at uh, www.journal-news.net where you can sign up for subscriptions. You can still call the office. Tony, remember that phone number. You could call the office. Tony might actually answer the phone. <laughs> 304-263-8931, and it'll give you the menu options for what you're looking for. Perfect. Well, stay in touch. We want you back in. Okay. All right. I'll come back. Okay. Tony Moborn from The Journal. Thanks for being on. Thanks. All right. We'll take a break and come back after this on Panhandle Live. We're talking about the issues that matter most to you. Now, back to Panhandle Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Panhandle Live, as always, is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville, online to at countryroadstire.com. Today, if you missed any of your part of today's show, we're going to be podcasting it coming up here in just a couple of moments on our Panhandle News Network Spotify. We've got more guests to come, not in this segment, Marcia, but a little bit later on in the show. That's right, yeah. So, uh, so stay tuned for that. But before we get to all of that, before we talk a little bit about the busy news cycle, two things. Number one, I want to give you another update on what's happening on uh, that northbound accident, uh, accident, I should say, on Interstate 81 at around mile marker 20. I've got a pretty good look at it right now. Traffic is moving. It's moving incredibly slowly through one lane, um, and actually, they're using part of the uh, the median to get around the accident there at mile marker 20. Ooh. And uh, the accident, which is just south of the uh, Spring Mills exit, uh, is starting to back its way up. It's uh, almost all the way down to the next exit, which is where you latch on to Route 9. So avoid it if at all possible. If you can, jump on 11 uh, and try to get around that, uh, that accident there again. Interstate 81 at around uh, mile marker 20. Um, but with that said, we've got another edition of Metro News Talk Line today with Hoppy Kerchival. He's going to be live at the Capitol, the belly of the beast, he likes to call it. Let's get another Metro News Capitol report for the day. This is the Metro News Capitol Report, brought to you by AARP West Virginia. AARP is your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Connect on social media at AARPWV or learn more at AARP.org WV. Today's report in 60 seconds. AARP is your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. A wise friend and fierce defender for everyone in West Virginia as you get older. With nearly 230,000 members and communities in all 55 counties, AARP is working every day for you. We have financial tools and health guides to help make sure the good things in your life live as long as you do. We're working to protect your hard-earned money, sharing tips and tools to help you spot frauds and scams. At the same time, AARP is advocating on behalf of West Virginians 50-plus and their families at the state capitol. Every day, we're supporting family caregivers and fighting for things like lower prescription drug prices and ensuring access to home and community-based services. Everyone in the Mountain State needs someone in their corner. That someone is AARP. For more information, connect with us on social media at AARP West Virginia or find us online at aarp.org slash WV. There'll be a lot of Kelly Green today at the state capitol with Marshall University Day. Marshall will today, just like WVU did yesterday, show off what it's been doing. Marshall says the Huntington Regional Chamber of Commerce's leadership, Huntington, and members of the Capitol and Greater Kanawha alumni chapters will also attend today. Now, something to watch this afternoon at the Capitol, budget presentations from both Marshall and WVU before the House Finance Committee. 
As Metro News has reported numerous times in recent months, WVU has gone through a major academic transformation and doing so cutting millions of dollars from its operating budget. Marshall has also been going through financial changes. It'll be interesting to hear their budget plans today. It sounds like Fayette County Delegate Tom Fass is settling into his new role as House Judiciary Committee Chairman. He was quick to defend a couple of voting bills the House passed yesterday after Democrats were calling them anchored in voter suppression. You know, the sound bites can be rampant sometimes in this chamber. Um, just stating that it is a bill to protect incumbents doesn't make it so. Just stating that it is a bill to suppress voting doesn't make it so. I'm Jeff Jenkins on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Thank you, Jeff. We'll hear Jeff throughout the rest of the legislative session. As we mentioned, Hoppy Kirchville is standing by with another edition of Metro News Talk Line live from the Capitol today. And speaking of live broadcast, Marcia, uh, we've got a couple coming our way tonight. Of course, that Shepherd basketball game that's tipping off at 7.30 against Kutztown. But before that, airing at 6 o'clock here on WEPM and WCST, uh, we had on guests from Stubblefield Institute to talk about it. Another very interesting conversation that's coming up tonight. Right, the community engagement conversation labels, limiting or leveraging. Of course, you can listen back to our conversations uh, with Ashley Hurst and the folks from Stubblefield about that and how that's all set up. Um, but it's happening. You can go live, but you need to uh, get a ticket to reserve your spot. It's free, but you can go live to the store or ballroom uh, beginning at 530. They have those pullout sessions and then they'll have the panelists uh, answering questions and all of that. Our uh, former news director, Hans Fogel, will be moderating as well. And you can listen live right here uh, on the Panhandle News Network. So a great way to spend a Wednesday evening. Those Stubblefield conversations are always incredibly stimulating. And then you've got Shepherd Basketball. The second that we're done with Stubblefield, we'll take you live on the Magic of Radio up to Kutztown for that basketball game. But before we take this next break, Marcia, I have a lot going on in the news cycle. What are some of the headlines? That's right. So the Herald Mail is reporting that uh, Roy Dwight Winston Jr., 29, uh, is facing, uh, got sentenced rather. Uh, he's from Hagerstown, but he also lived in Martinsburg for a time. Uh, he was sentenced to six years for punching an older man who died three weeks later. And the interesting thing about this is Lester Bowers, the victim, 75-year-old Vietnam veteran, um, lived in the Hagerstown area, but he worked for UPS. So folks in Berkeley Springs might uh, you know, recognize him. They saw a picture of him uh, because he was their UPS driver for a long time, like decades. Mm. And uh, also a, a story out of Hagerstown as well, if I'm correct, uh, about a sentencing. Uh, yeah, that that was actually that. Oh, was I'm the, so yeah, sorry. Was, I'm yeah. sorry. Those those two were uh, linked together. I, yeah. I, I just uh, the font betrayed me. My sorry. apologies. So um, also this Saturday, I got a, I got a note from um, our friends over at the uh, Harpers Ferry National Historical Park, and we're going to have a guest on tomorrow to talk about this. But uh, there's an event this Saturday, bringing it to life and putting it to bed: the beginning, impact, and end of store or college. Uh, they're going to have a panel discussion, and we're going to be talking about that a little more in depth uh, tomorrow with a guest on Panhandle Live. Very interesting. Very interesting uh, indeed. Uh, of course, we also had on Panhandle Sports Live today, Luke Samples, the head coach of Spring Mills. If you missed any or part of that interview, that's on Spotify as well. We continue to be excited as we ramp up here into basketball season, get into January about all the high school hoops and college hoops that are coming down the wire. Marsha, I don't know if you heard, like I mentioned, we got the Shepherd basketball game tonight. Philip Jordan scored his thousandth point that's in the really game cool. on Monday night. He did it against Shippensburg. A little rivalry matchup there. So as that's well. a little sweeter. Is yeah. that what you're saying? I would think so. I, I didn't get to ask Philip about it. I got to talk with Justin Amalek, uh, and uh, he, he certainly said that it was well deserved from Philip Jordan. 
Uh, and it's fun to see the Rams in a little bit of action here on the women's side of things. Mm-hmm. They've won back-to-back games for the first time under second-year head coach Julie Kaufman. That's so very cool. Absolutely. Uh, they're, uh, they're they're making strides as well. Also, regionally, uh, are, are we going to be okay? The Orioles are getting sold? Yeah, they're getting sold to a consortium of, 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 of billionaires that want to spend some money. So including think, Cal Ripken. Including Cal Ripken. Yeah, Cal Ripken Jr. Yeah, so I, I think that Orioles fans are excited that previous ownership – had said John Angelos, who, who took over uh, the ownership of the team, was a little bit tight-fisted with finances, their payroll. They weren't necessarily spending the money that people thought they should after a team had just won 101 games. Mm-hmm. So in steps a guy that has, as Daniel Wood said on the sports show, a considerable history of splashing cash. He is a, a philanthropist. He's given a lot of money to a lot of different organizations, and I'm sure that will continue. But with that as well, he's also hopefully going to spend some money on the O's. Okay, question. So spending some money on the O's, does that mean we get more bobbleheads, or does that mean like they're spending <laughs> that, more money on personnel? That means they get better players, or uh, they get okay. to keep the players that they have. Because but we could get more bobbleheads. I'm sure like the bobbleheads will be part in of the, it. Yeah, I, I'm sure that the giveaways will increase in quality and uh, – uh, the amount of which as well. I think so you're, you're making right. promises maybe the front office won't keep. You know, but, I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to him today. Once <laughs> once the deal goes through, I'll reach out for comment on the bobbleheads. Uh, to, Get to his Cal team. Ripken on the phone. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and take this next break. Uh, still to come on the show, like you mentioned, uh, in election season, we're going to be talking to a candidate here in just a couple of moments. And Wiley Date of Devil's Due Distillery is in the building. He's making his rounds. And one of those rounds will include a stop here on Panhandle Live. Uh, always a fun conversation when we get to talk to him. So stay tuned. That comes your way on the other side. This is Panhandle Live. You're listening to Panhandle Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. Scratch my back. Keeping the conversation going here on Panhandle Live. As always, your texts are appreciated. You can let us know. 304-263-4321. Luke Wiggs, Marsh Kavalik with you. And Marsha, our next guest, joining us via phone. That's right. Uh, joining us right now is Larry Pack. He is the Acting Secretary of Revenue for Governor Jim Justice right now. He's also been a delegate. He's a CPA, he's a businessman, uh, and he also wants to be our next treasurer. Welcome in. Hey, good morning. How are you? We're good. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about your, your background, and then I know you do want to drill down on some of the budget highlights. Sure. Your background. I grew up in the uh, Coalfields portion of uh, Kanawha County. Uh, went to West Virginia Tech. Uh, started a career shortly thereafter as a CPA. He did that for about 20 years, a small local firm representing uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of small businesses and, uh, and uh, just individuals over, over that 20-year period. Just uh, loved that time. And at, at some point, I turned into more of an entrepreneur, uh, ran a number of businesses, um, um, the last one being Standardized Healthcare, which was a large healthcare business that had operations all over the state of West Virginia and a little bit of Ohio. We sold that a couple of years ago, uh, a few years ago, and I uh, did a stint in uh, the House of Delegates uh, for a couple of years, which was a great blessing and a lot of fun. And then about a year and a half ago, I joined Governor Justice's uh, administration as a senior advisor, uh, working directly with him. And uh, I guess just about two months ago or a month ago, he also added to my duties uh, acting secretary of revenue. So I've had uh, two careers, two two twenty year careers, and just starting on a on another one. 
So I know you, you know, you're you're speaking for the administration a, a good bit as you're the acting secretary of revenue, but uh, you obviously have your own opinions about, uh, you know, you've you've been able to look at things as an entrepreneur yourself, as a delegate. Um, you know, what concerns you most about the state's financial picture and and even outside entities that might impact us? I think uh, one of my biggest concerns for the state going forward is just to uh, slow uh, the growth of, uh, of government. Uh, the private sector uh, needs your resources, and every time we add another state employee or, or another program, that's taken away from uh, resources from, from, the, from the private sector where they would be creating jobs and creating more more wealth for our, for our citizens. So I, I, I watch the fiscal uh, stuff really, really close. I think over the years, um, particularly the, the years of Democratic uh, rule, that we, we grew a pretty sizable government, and Governor Justice has, uh, has worked hard to, to slow that growth, and, and I'd like to continue working on working on that and, and, and emphasizing that from the Treasurer's Office, along with other things. Well, of course, in the last 18 months, Governor Justice also leading the charge on a significant income tax reduction and, and more to be coming in the future. Uh, what certainty can West Virginians have that, that that's a good idea? How has the economy grown to the point that we're able to have a significant income tax like that, a reduction like that? It's a really good, I mean, it's a great time to be a West Virginian. Uh, you know, the diversification uh, of our state uh, has, has allowed us to, to, uh, to, to return money back to, to taxpayers. It's their, it's their money. Uh, you know, for many, many years, uh, again, I, I come from the coal, the coal fields. Uh, uh, West Virginia lived and died based upon what's going on uh, in the coal fields. And, and you know, although it's still important, it's not it's not as important as it used to be. So, so with all the phenomenal growth, for example, in the eastern panhandle, uh, uh, Procter and Gamble, and you can just just keep keep going in the Eastern Panhandle, along with what's going on in Morgantown, North Central West Virginia. Uh, our economy is diversified, and so we're not so dependent on on fossil fuels as we used to be. Matter of fact, uh, when you think of uh, severance taxes, seventy five percent of our severance taxes today come from oil and gas. It's not, you know, so coal's on twenty five percent. So we feel really, really um, um, confident about um, uh, the economy going forward. Uh, we think that the, gov- the government has plenty of money, and that we need to prioritize the money that we have. Uh, I was proud to, to spearhead the governor's effort last year to uh, pass the largest tax cut in Western history, uh, and we're advocating for more um, uh, this session. So, so uh, taxpayers need the money more than the government does. So, so we uh, we uh, feel very confident in where we are. Well, still, there are, um, you know, government programs that have to be funded as well uh, to some level. And uh, we're speaking this morning with Larry Pack. He's the acting secretary of revenue for the Justice Administration, uh, obviously in the news cycle on Metro News and here on our network as well, uh, has have been uh, serious concerns about funding levels and vacancies in both CPS and uh, corrections and uh, other, you know, government uh, entities across the state. At what point... Uh, does the administration uh, prioritize, uh, you know, that infusing money? Is that something that's baked into this year's budget plan? Oh, it has, and even over the last number of years. So, so, so we've advocated for 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 a lot, you know, millions of dollars in in both areas, whether it's CP, you know, CPS, which is you know, it's all about our kids. So, so we've added many many positions to CPS. Um, uh, and then also corrections. Now, our, the employment situation in the state of West Virginia, like, like really everybody else, is exacerbated by, by the pandemic. So many people went out of the job market. They're coming back now, so things are getting better. The other thing that the administration has pushed hard is to give the agencies the flexibility 
to pay uh, pay people this different based upon where they live. Uh, we all know that the cost of living in the eastern panhandle uh, is much higher than southern West Virginia. We also know that people in the eastern panhandle have a lot more choices for jobs. So, so being able to pay uh, more money uh, in, in those areas is really helping us um, um, you know, cure the problems. Uh, CPS, most of the vacancies CPS have been cleared. There, there's still some out there. Corrections is a little bit different problem. Uh, and again, it's just, and most of us are related to a tight labor market uh, where, you know, the more attractive jobs are filled uh, uh, first and, and some of the tougher jobs are, are filled last. So we put a lot of energy and emphasis to it. But then, then you know, in a $5, million, $5 billion budget, then, then what we try to do is kind of reduce spending in, in, in another way so that we, we get a balance. You know, you, the, the answer to every government, every problem can't be more government spending. Sometimes we got to increase government spending in this area while we slow down government spending in other areas. Our guest this morning is Larry Pack, uh, and he is the Acting Secretary of Revenue for the Justice Administration, but he's also a candidate. So, uh, Mr. Pack, you, uh, you're you unopposed right now. That, that doesn't mean that you wouldn't have an opponent in the general. Uh, I understand the uh, parties can can mount an opponent uh, if, if they follow a certain process. But, uh, you know, if you get into the treasurer's office, uh, what, do you, what are you really, you know, itching to get done there? And what are your priorities? Sure. Yeah, and the, uh, got, we're watching the mail for, for a primary opponent. They did, uh, you know, an individual could have mailed uh, their application in by midnight Saturday. So I guess we'll know by maybe Friday, maybe uh, where we stand on that. But, uh my emphasis is really going to be first and first and foremost to uh, continue the work that uh, Treasurer Moore started, which is to defeat the, the ESG and woke investing. We need to invest our dollars, and uh, our policies need to be in in jobs that help West Virginia's economy, not 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 invest money with people that are working against our economy. Uh, Treasurer Moore has been a national leader in that area, and I hope to pick up where he's left off and keep uh, keep going. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a fiscal person. I think I think you really need to weigh in on, on government priorities, how, where we're spending the money and how much money and how much money do we give back uh, uh, to the people. I'm a strong proponent in, in continuing to move to um, reduce and eliminate our personal income tax. Um, our kids, um, you know, they, they need to be taught uh, financial literacy. And, and so working with the school systems to, to be able to teach them how to balance budgets and how to how to make choices and so forth so they're prepared after they get out of high school and college. Um, how we invest our money uh, is another area that I really focus on. So really watching the state's dollars, how they're spent, uh, how we tax people, uh, that, that would be the focus of my administration. You know, asking you a little bit of a broad question, but are there lessons to be learned on a national or federal level from a state like West Virginia and how they balance the budget? Obviously, state legislature in West Virginia can't leave until the balance is budget, budgeted. The, you, can't, or you can't necessarily say the same about national Congress, but are there some lessons to be learned from the last six years of responsible spending in the Mountain State that could be applied to the nation? Uh, West Virginia conservative principles would be uh, uh, something that uh, Washington D.C. Sh- uh, uh, surely needs. Uh, so hopefully, uh, um, uh, the, our candidates, our next senator, our, our you know, representative Moore will be able to do that. But but you know, Washington is what happens when people won't get in the room and make a, make a deal. When people uh, you know, it's not only spend other people's money with without regard to 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 need. Uh, or without regard of, of where it's coming from. I mean, they've just absolutely put our children and grandchildren just in a terrible, tremendous, a terrible financial position. You know, in West Virginia, we fight on conservative values. So 
we, we've had really low growth budgets, uh, growth budgets that have growth, growth uh, release or below the rate of inflation. And we fought, we fight hard on, you know, how they should be spent, uh, but we don't overspend our budget. Uh, that's why we have money for one-time spends, uh, you know, to put $150 million in schools and just the various things that the governor lined out in the budget. So we're very blessed in West Virginia to, to fight on the conservative battlefield versus the liberal battlefield that's uh, going on in Washington. Larry Pack has been our guest this morning. If anybody wants to find out more about uh, more information about you and your campaign, where can they go? Uh, Larry Pack for WestVirginia.com. Awesome. Very good. Well, we really appreciate you giving us the time this morning, sir. Thanks to you. Have a good day. Absolutely. You you as well. And again, uh, that's Acting Revenue Secretary and Candidate for Treasurer Larry Pack. We've got one more break to take and one more guest to get to that we'll get to on the other side. Stay tuned. It's Panhandle Live. We're talking about the issues that matter most to you. Now, back to Panhandle Live. Welcome back. Final segment of Panhandle Live. Luke Wiggs, Marsha Kavalik, hanging out with you. Panhandle Live, as always, is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care. With two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville, online to at countryroadstire.com. Today, Marsha, when I saw our next guest on the rundown for today's show, I was excited. And they've already been warmed up by uh, by the real Bob Steele over on the Big Dog. So uh, from Devil's Do uh, Distillery... Let me start over. From Devil's Due Distillery, we have Wiley McDade and his lovely wife, Cynthia. Welcome into both of you. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. And as usual, you brought gifts. So tell us what Luke will be drinking this morning. <laughs> it's never too early to have a drink. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, before we talk about, we've got some upcoming events, but uh, from what I understand, we're about to partake in one of the tasty beverages that people can pick up at Devil's Due Distillery. Can you tell the people what it is? Absolutely. So I brought over a bottle of of our root beer bourbon. Uh, this is a new product. It's uh, it's just going out into distribution now, so you might be able to find this at a store near you in West Virginia. Uh, a 60-proof spirit, root beer produced up at Berkeley Springs Brewing by the good folks up there at Berkeley Springs. They make amazing beer, uh, and they make particularly amazing root beer. Blended now with four-year-old bourbon uh, mm. and served as 60-proof. So designed to, uh, well, hopefully give you kind of that reminiscent idea of the root beer barrel candies you you might have had uh, or enjoyed when you were a kid. With a little kick, I guess. I was going to say. All right, With well, I'm going to go ahead and give this a try. And full disclosure, I've never had bourbon before. This is the first experience for me. But uh, here we go in studio, guys. Cheers. Salud. Yeah. Tastes like root beer. Tastes, yummy, like, yummy. tastes like root beer with a little, woo, yeah. a little, little something there in the back end as well. Very little burn. Good. Very oh, that's a good bourbon flavor coming. Uh, it really does. It really does. <laughs> so you guys have a, an upcoming craft fair, right? From what I understand, this weekend we do. So our Valentine's Day show is uh, this weekend, Saturday from eleven to five. Uh, there'll be about twenty-two vendors there, I think, all themed for Valentine's Day. So you can come pick up that uh, that perfect gift for your special someone. Uh, and you can sample the root beer bourbon while you're at it. <laughs> so where do you get your your vendors? Who you know? How far away are you looking for folks? And, and we all that? mostly we try right, very close regionally. So um, almost all the vendors are Eastern Panhandle vendors. Mm-hmm. Very neat. And um, so I, I noticed this is not your only themed craft fair that you guys have planned. So that's kind of cool that you're making it kind of a. Um, and uh, an entrepreneur's area to gather, right? Like, you know, yeah. small business, cottage industries, right? Everything is always better when you do it locally. And when we bring all the these local folks in, um, I, 
I, everybody just has a great time. Yeah, we're, we try to run uh, at least four big events like this a year. So we, if you might remember, we just had our Christmas markets. Uh, now we're rolling into our Valentine's Day market. You can come down and try our cinnamon moonshine. Uh, we make that for, uh, for Valentine's Day. It tastes like those little red hot candies. <laughs> I noticed the theme there. This is this is alcohol, however, comma, it tastes like candy. <laughs> <laughs> well, for a lot of the big fun ones. Now, on a on a more serious bourbon note uh, or whiskey note, this weekend we'll have uh, seven house whiskey labels out. Uh, so pretty much kind of the entire gamut of the American whiskey market, you'll be able to come and sample that from, albeit uh, it might be the rye whiskeys that we're producing. I've got a brand new wheat whiskey that's coming out this weekend. Uh, and then we have several kinds of bourbons, uh, a weeded bourbon, a rye bourbon, and a couple great examples of four-grain bourbon. So if you want to come see what American whiskey is all about, what we're doing over at the distillery, it's a great weekend to come by and sample them all. What, what does that mean in a difference in taste? Again, I've, I've now drank one shot of bourbon in my life, but what's the difference between rye and wheat, like you mentioned? What, what, what can that do to taste? Sure. So, so all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. Bourbon is America's spirit. Uh, it's got to be made from corn. Bourbon is a is, is is corn whiskey that's been aged in the barrel, typically with a touch of rye or a touch of wheat added, either for spice or for a little bit of sweetness. Um, about 85% of America's bourbons are, are rye bourbons, and then maybe 15% of wheated bourbons, a little bit on the sweeter scale. Uh, and then, uh, of course, we've got four, you know uh, several four grains that have a little bit of uh, each in it. All with a bit of malt. Um, malt uh, is malt is a barley that's been allowed to germinate in a malt house. Uh, it's real critical. It's very critical in the mashing process because the enzymes produced during germination turn all of these starches we work with into sugars. And well, it just so happens when you feed yeast sugar, that's when they start pumping out the good stuff. Mm. <laughs> uh, and so and so that's you know kind of so that the mashing in the fermentation, the distillation, then the barrel aging. Uh, is what is what whiskey is all about. So if someone isn't familiar with what you guys have there and, and what the experience is like, you know, um, how much time should someone, you know, carve out to come and, and see you guys and, and taste and all sure. that? Yeah, so we're open seven days a week and we provide free tastings and free tours, uh, typically an hour to an hour and a half, depending on how interested you are in, uh, in whiskey. We, we sit around and talk about whiskey with people all day long. We typically distill three to four days a week, usually Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So if you want to come by and taste it coming right off the still, that's a good day to come in. Well, and it's interesting. People can see that that, that process firsthand from what you guys are able to do there at Devil's Do. But last time you came in, you talked about the opportunity for people to have kind of uh, home uh, packaging kits as well to kind of distill their own uh, whiskey. Is, is that still something you're selling? Well, so you got to be careful there. Sorry. You can't distill your whiskey at home, although... There is a, uh, a, a motion down uh, in the legislature to uh, legalize the home distillation of moonshine in West Virginia. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I'll have to follow back with you on that one. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see where that goes. But, uh, but for aging your own whiskey, yeah, we have barrel aging kits now at the distillery. You can uh, get a couple bottles of our, our White Dog, which is really unaged uh, bourbon base or unaged rye or wheat base that we might be selling. You fill up the barrels and you age them uh, right at home to get a, a, an amazing whiskey right in your, uh, you know, right in your bar. Our guest this morning from Devil's Dew Distillery, Wiley McDade and uh, Cynthia McDade. So, Cynthia, what are you excited about? What's going on? You know, what, 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 uh, what do you want to promote? I well, so our craft fairs. What I wanted, to, what I was mm -hmm. thinking about when you were describing them was 
it's really a sense of community that we bring in and our jewelry ladies from Pennsylvania, just right up there in Chambersburg mm -hmm. and um, a lot of local people here and honey. And I love to see them talk to each other and then all the local visitors that come and support them. It just gives them a sense to grow and grow. Absolutely. Yeah. And then to fall back on, he's, it's, I love to hear Wiley be so passionate about using the grains and the corn that are coming from this area in the panhandle. And I, I'm really excited for his um, heirloom corn series that's coming out using the different grains from the local farmers. And I love being at the distillery during the week when the farmers come by and, and pick up the spent mash or deliver something. Uh, it's, it's really cool to see. You never know what you're going to see when you come in. And if you just need to come in quick and grab a bottle of our uh, amazing vodka. Just come on in. There's no need to go to the, you know, whatever's right down the street. You can come to Devil's Do and buy. We have our whole line right there for you. If you're going to grab that, pick up a, a bottle of our Bloody Mary mix. Ooh, from one of our farmers. spectacular Bloody Mary. Yeah, yeah from Beatum Farms. Mm -hmm. it, it really is a throwback in a way, you know, it, it, bringing, bring it back home, talking to the area farmers, you know, yeah. helping them out as they help you out. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we talked a lot about agritourism in an episode earlier this week. Um, this really falls under agritourism Absolutely. as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the cycle uh, of, of, of our whiskey and how we make it is pretty interesting. It comes, uh, well, the, the corn comes off the local dairy uh, just about two miles away. Uh, it is, it's mashed uh, and distilled by us, and, but there's always a tremendous amount of waste left over. Uh, typically about 3,500 pounds a week of spent mash. And all of that goes back to the farm, uh, and, it's, and then it's fed to the livestock again. So a, re a really good cycle, very little, very almost no waste, uh, except for just a little bit of water. Uh, but otherwise, uh, uh, yeah, pretty, very, pretty sustainable. Absolutely. So uh, what else do you want to let our listeners know before we have to let go? And, of course, um, you know, where can folks find out more and all of that? Sure. So check us out on Facebook. Uh, we are located at 315 James Burr Boulevard uh, in Kearneysville, and I hope to see you this weekend. We're going to have uh, food trucks uh, on site. In particular, I want to highlight brunch is coming out. Mm, they're yummy, a really yummy. amazing food truck that makes all <laughs> those brunch, brunch style items very yummy. I love it. I love uh, it. And, uh, uh, and then, uh, uh, like I said, about 22 vendors out, all, all holiday themed for Valentine's Day, so you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to pick up all your great gifts. Uh, if I may, down the road, we do have a couple of, of, of great releases coming out. Two I wanted to highlight. Cynthia had hit on one. Uh, we, we have uh, four barrels of whiskey that we're going to be releasing in a box set here soon. Uh, and, 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 and she hit on it. Uh, each heirloom corns, uh, a red corn, uh, a, a rainbow corn, uh, a white corn, a, and, a, and a yellow corn. And then these are the, these corns that aren't really grown anymore because... Well, they're really just grown for guys like us, you know, but uh, these special heirlooms were grown, you know, just for us. Uh, and then we made them uh, into pure bourbons to see, you know, to highlight the different flavors of each one. And it, it's a real, it'll be real interesting. Uh, and, I th and I think a really delicious journey uh, to come down and give them a taste. That's really interesting. Well, Wiley and Cynthia, we really appreciate you giving us the time. I'll tell you this. I just sent a text to my roommate and we have made plans to go pick up a full bottle 
of the root beer <laughs> bourbon there at Devil's Due because it was fantastic. Uh, thank you very much, guys, for giving us the time this morning. Thanks, thank Luke. You. Thank, thank you, Marsha. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Panhandle Live. If you missed any of your part of today's show, we're going to be posting it on our Panhandle News Network Spotify coming up here in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. Metro News Talk Line with Hoppy Kirchival is coming up with just a couple of moments as well. For Marsha Gavalik, I've been Luke Wiggs, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.